0: Welcome to the Home Building Hub, your essential podcast guide to building your new home. Hosted by industry experts Colin Bischoff and Darren Brennan, this conversational podcast will help better educate you about all things new home building so you can avoid costly mistakes and enjoy your building experience to the fullest, no matter which home builder you choose. G'day folks, Colin here from the Home Building Hub and welcome to another episode. I'm here with co-host Darren Brennan and this is part two of a little mini part three uh, series, I guess, Daz, and that's all about uh, giving you guys some common terms used in our industry. So we've just completed the, the land episode, so lots of land terms that relate uh, to, I guess, your land contract and land purchase. Now today we're going to talk about the house related or the builder related terms. And then lastly, the next episode, we'll talk uh, specifically about contract drawings and the terms, uh, I guess, a lot of acronyms on there that we will be able to help you understand. So Darren, let's kick off with uh, the house Related terms. Uh, before we do, you want to run through and say good day and run through the disclaimer for us.
1: Absolutely, mate. So, uh, yeah, the disclaimer whilst we're all about providing uh, value to you, this podcast should not be considered as legal or financial advice. It contains general information only, and you should seek out independent professional advice on your personal situation before making any financial or legal decisions. Um, outside of that, there's a fee for the podcast. So if you're liking the podcast, please share it with somebody else. We don't we don't charge at all for it. We don't have any sponsorship for the podcast. So it's all off our own back. But what would really assist us is if you could share the podcast with somebody that you think might get value out of it. And for anyone who's done that so far, we really appreciate your efforts and thanks for supporting us on the Home Building Hub. So let's jump straight into it. Cole, why don't I let you kick off the very first house-related term?
0: The very first one we have on our list is squares and square metres, okay? So when you start your journey, you'll come across the size of homes. So the, the different units of measurement builders uh, use, I guess mainly in here, in Victoria that is, is squares or square metres, okay? Squares, I feel, is the most common one, Darren. Um, so you might be looking at a home that is 22 squares. But Essentially for people to understand really quickly – One square is equal to 9.29 square metres. Okay, so 22 square home is about 210 square metres. So that's the first one that you need to know when you start looking at floor plans. Great. Uh, Mine
1: is full turnkey, which means everything is included to the point where you can simply collect the keys and move on in, so it includes things such as your front and rear landscaping, driveway fences, letterbox, clothesline, cooling and blinds as well as everything else that goes into making the home.
0: Yep, nice. So the third one, facade, uh, so pronounced facade, not facade, is really the front of a home. So it's, it's the cosmetic look and appeal, street appeal, the front of your home, and most builders uh, have a, a different, range of facades for you to choose from okay so it's very rare you have a specific facade for a specific design unless it's a really small um, narrow lot that's been custom custom designs been done but essentially for most house designs you have your choice of maybe three or four standard facades and the builder may have you know five or six or many more upgradable ones as well okay so it's that look of the front of your facade and it's interchangeable so that's what the facade means Cool.
1: Base price is my next one, which is essentially the price to build that particular home design with a standard facade being one of the, the included facades at that price. Um, and it's related back to a set of standard specifications or standard inclusions. So the base home with that standard facade and the base inclusions equals your base price. Um, it, Usually excludes site-specific items such as uh, site works, you know, uh, related to your block, estate requirements, and then uh, any promotions if there are on offer and any upgrades that you may select. So those things are excluded from the base price. Over to you, mate.
0: Um, site cost is next. So Darren just referred to the base price uh, and Darren's example once uh, in another episode was that that's really the house hovering above the ground. Site costs relate to the, the cost of the foundation of the home, so the concrete slab and, and the relevant peering and, and works required to build your home nice and safely and and, sh- and lo- make sure there's plenty of strength uh, in the slab and, and no concerns around the foundation. Okay, so that's what a site cost is and they vary from uh, block to block okay so just because you build the same house as your neighbor your site costs may actually be different um, so they factor in all of those uh, requirements around the slab but also site costs can make up council costs they can talk about temporary fencing and all a few other you know areas around that Darren so maybe there's a couple of sub uh, terms within site cost as do you want to start with fill and fall
1: yeah, so fill and fall, fill is uh any additional soil that has been added to the block on top of the, you know, established or existing surface levels, um, you know, or the original ground level of that block. Um, when there is fill present, you can expect that the site costs would likely increase. Um And it's more likely the builder will need to provide uh, potentially peering to the foundation, so concrete or metal going deeper into the ground, back into that natural surface level. So, Over to you, mate. So speaking of
0: peering, that's one that you may come across. So if there's fill present on your block, depending on the level of compaction and a few other little goodies, realistically peering is – extra concrete underneath the slab that gets down to the established or the natural surface um, that provides extra strength and stability to your home, okay? So uh, site costs would usually include the the concrete slab component and then peering might be something separate uh, for you. So I guess one way to explain that um, understanding that if you have a backyard and you want to put some landscaping on top of that backyard, let's say crushed rock, and then you want to put a kid's cubby house on top of that crushed rock, the best thing to make it nice and stable is not just to sit it on top of the crushed rock, but probably dig some timber post down into the actual natural established earth that will hold the cubby house more firmly and that's probably one of the examples i use that people understand that the the, the crushed rock is maybe the top level you have got to get through the crushed rock into the established surface level that will hold your cubby house up so to speak okay so peering um, is the same on a, on a, uh, a home that you construct uh, so a builder will allow for additional costs in the side costs for peering when necessary
1: Cool. So retaining walls and and essentially retaining walls are put in place to try and flatten out your block. So they're holding up the soil that's, um, you know, either from your neighbouring block or or you're backfilling and you're trying to prevent the soil from going from your block onto their block um, whilst you make your block as flat as possible to be able to build upon. Um, they're generally made out of timber or concrete, um, and depending on uh, on what recommendations have been made by the uh, person and the engineer will specify uh, where, when, and how big they are required.
0: Nice. Uh, soil classification. So we want to, I guess, highlight that the part of the process is to get a soil test and survey done, and a soil test uh, will help determine the classification of the slab in which the builder needs to provide. So, in order when they do a, a soil test, they, they dig boreholes into into the ground and usually they'll come back with a report that says that that land is you know classified as you know, requiring a, it's an M class site or a H class site or P class site which is P for uh, I think it's for problematic Darren from memory or problematic. Is that right? Yeah, so that's probably going to the P class site will incur the highest site costs, the M class will incur the lower site costs. Okay, so basically, there's a soil report that outlines, you know, I guess the makeup of the sand, the silt, and the clay, and um, you know, moderate elasticity or clay content versus, I guess, um, a fair bit more highly reactive uh, that that moves up into the H and and the P classes. Okay, but probably to make it nice and simple, the soil test is required. It, by another third party, it tells us, tells the builder what soil conditions there are, which then dictates what sort of slab is required as uh, the foundation of your home.
1: Cool. So over to estate covenants requirements guidelines. We spoke about this in the last podcast, but um, these uh, basically are a set of conditions set out that you need to apply by when building your home. So these can be related to the siting of the home, the finishes of the home. The specific design features, so the facade, etc., might be uh, ceiling heights, could be uh, roof pitch, the angle of which the roof is uh, is pitched at, uh, etc. Um, it can also relate to things such as your garden layout and plantings, your driveway layout, and the material of that, and so on. So those sort of items.
0: Building surveyor is another term that you should get familiar with. So a building surveyor is appointed uh, to oversee the compliance of the home in relation to, I guess, getting A, the building permit, uh, but also the construction of the home and ensuring that it meets relevant Australian standards. So... One thing that I think gets mixed up, Daz, is that a building surveyor is often mixed up as to what they are, what they do, versus a building inspector or a private building consul- uh, consultant, which we'll cover next. A building surveyor is there to represent you, the client. They are not, you know, paid by the builder. They are an independent business that makes sure that that builder is building the home within compliance of of the standards Um, at the start of the process you can pick your own surveyor or most of the time people just go with the builder's preferred surveyor because they have a better relationship they can get out to site quicker they know each other etc etc it's not because they're doing anything under the table it's more that they just have a better stronger relationship and um, they can get things done a little bit quicker um Basically, so if you put in a third party or it's choose your own building surveyor, then that that's a new relationship that's got to be created, and you know sometimes appointments may be dragged out and things like that. Okay, so surveyors there um, for your benefit as a client.
1: Cool. Over to me. So a building inspector or private building consultant, which is an independent inspector who the customer appoints, um, to check the workmanship of the builder. So they're basically there as your eyes and ears, I guess, uh, and, you, and you're paying them for that service. Um, they'll consider the relevant standards. However, they'll often consider cosmetic items as well that are not covered by the standards. So they might say that, you know, there's a, there's a mark on the wall that, that, isn't covered by an Australian standard, but it does look a bit unsightly and should be fixed up because you're paying to get a really nice house, not one with a mark on the wall. Um, So it'd be those sort of items as well. Um, They would usually complete a comprehensive report for the homeowner to discuss with their builder. And I guess my point there is that not all items are required to be addressed by the builder. So just having an understanding that, okay, it'd be nice if that was done, but if it's not a requirement under the building code, there may be some times where you're not going to get that item fixed or, you know, the, there's not a whole lot wrong with your house, so they're trying to justify their position and be pretty picky on that. You'd like to hope that's not the case. And and generally speaking, they're pretty good and they're there to support you, the homeowner. And builders, you know, certainly encourage uh, people where they want to use an independent uh, building inspector to certainly do so and, and there's no issues there. So
0: Cool. Yeah, just to add on that one, Darren, because it's really important understanding a surveyor is there to make sure your house complies with the codes and the builder has to follow what a surveyor Absolutely. says. A building inspector or private consultant is not a regulatory body. It's just a business with someone who's got experience in the space and comes out and tells you, here's what I think, you know, and they give you a very detailed 20, 30, 40-page report with images Here's what we we think that the builder should go and address um, so the, the the builder, as Darren said, does not need to address every one of those items because they're not directly related to compliance they're directly related to i guess <laughs> depends it's up to the builder and the and the building uh, inspector or or the consultant to negotiate that. One thing to note and to add Darren is the timing so if you employ a a private building consultant, it will add additional build times to the number of visits they take. So some just do a practical completion inspection, uh, which is one visit, and then it'll add usually 21 days or so to the building time because, one, they've got to come out, two, they've got to do the report, three, the builder's got to review the report and then agree or disagree to the items and go and rectify the items that they've raised, that they've agreed upon. That can take, you know, a two-, three-, four-week period. So that gets added on to the days in which your contract outlined initially. Okay, so just be mindful of that. Um, but again, it's it's something that yeah some people choose to do does and some people don't. But um, yeah, I think it's very good very good tip to understand that builder does not need to comply with all of the private building consultant notes, um, and they generally do put a lot on there um, that are cosmetic as well. So, but they're very valuable. Don't get me wrong. That, of course, they are. Yep. Price protection period. Cool is the next one for me. So that, that's really the time allowed for a builder to get the home to site and begin construction. So I guess it can vary from 6 to 18 months in the current market. Um, but basically the protection period, let's say it's 12 months, is basically the the builder saying, okay, this price we give you today in the quote is protecting you for 12 months. And if your land is not ready to build on in that time, we will then charge you more money after that point. And that that figure is factoring in the supplier and the trade additional increases that they could foresee. So if they're not going to build the house literally today, they may see in six months that the trades and suppliers will charge them a little bit more. So they try and factor that in into the price. Okay, So that's what a price protection period is.
1: Cool. and the next one is contingency, and what that's referring is to the time outside of that price protection period. So it's a generally a predetermined monthly figure that the builder applies in the event that the land is delayed or that the customer. And we're seeing some of that right now. Is that the customer's delaying their construction because they might be sorting out their finance or whatever? Um, they might want to hold off because they're a bit concerned about interest rates, but they're still really keen to build. So so it can be not just the land title being delayed, but it can be other things. And a builder provides a price uh, to you based on today on a proposed site start. And then if it goes outside of that timeframe, then they'd be factoring in a cost uh, to for the increase in trades and supplies uh, to build your home. So essentially, that's what that is. Um, in the event that the land is delayed, uh, there's more likely an additional cost to the build will pass that on to you in the form of this contingency. Um, again, sometimes it's a fixed amount. Sometimes it's a percentage amount. Um, you know, it's worth chatting to your builder. Some will not have a contingency at all and just say you need to go on today's pricing if you've exceeded that um, price protection period. So, yeah, understand what that looks like. It's not an open-ended book for, for the most part. I'd say most builders these days are, saying that there's an additional period outside of the price protection period that they'll happily work with you on. And beyond that, they would revert to today's pricing or negotiate with you upon that. And they have rights within the contract to do so. Um, So understand that that is the case and that, you know, they're doing that because they've got to remain and you want them to remain profitable when they build your home. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's contingency for you.
0: They're really taking a a bit of a gamble on the, you know, the forecasted, Price increases. The cost of a brick today is not going to be the Absolutely. cost of a brick tomorrow. So, but you're expecting them as a client to give you a fixed price contract, or at least a very close to fixed price contract. So their their pricing, you know, is, is allowing for those. Those forecasted increases and rates and a contingency just means that, you know, it's a little bit of an insurance for the builder. So at least I know I'm going to get that, you know, thousand or two thousand dollars a month for the, you know, if your land is delayed to cover some of those increases that they will inevitably face, you know. So, um, wall on boundaries. Sorry, go, go, Des. Yeah.
1: I I was just going to touch one more on that because I think it is really relevant at the moment is that. Most builders will honor the price that they offered you, provided it's within the timeframe that was applicable. So, you know, it's been pretty mm. tough on builders, particularly when you have seen um, a lot of developers delay settlements. And we've seen some stuff up to three years. So, when they've forecasted to be in 12 months and it's taken up to three years for the land title to come out. So, you, you know, it's you just can't expect the builder to wear that cost, unfortunately. So, you no. know, and, and for the most part, those people have bought that land three years ahead of. The, today's pricing. So they've had a fair win on the land price in most cases. And that is great. But, you know, the builder took a punt understanding that the land would be 12 months out and all of a sudden pushes out to three years. They just can't honor that pricing. Yeah. You know, in some cases gone up 50, 70, 80, $100,000 to build that home. And it's just no longer profitable. And therefore they have to, uh, exercise their right in the contract to either charge more or to go back to a new base price. You know, and, yeah. and that's so that they can remain in business. So,
0: Yeah, it's a cool. fair gamble. It's a bit like saying today, right now, if you did just had your land tiled, you're ready to build today, but you're actually saying, well, can I please have the base price and, and everything from 18 months ago? You'd just be laughed at right? because that's just yeah, not going to be right. relevant. But that's what, we're, that's what you're asking a builder to price. If it is 18 months ago, they're saying to you, okay, I can give you 12 months, uh, at no charge, but I'm going to charge you X dollars per month for the other six months, and then fast forward eighteen months. Here we are today. Is that extra, you know, contingency period enough to cover the price increases that their builders going to to have incurred? Probably not. In the, <laughs> definitely not in the last eighteen months. But that's what it's for. It's just to protect, you know, to make sure they get some money back um, if your land gets pushed out. Uh, the second last one. Wall on boundary or zero lot lines, uh, sort of putting those together. But essentially we're saying that because when you when you put a house on a block and you call it a, a siting or a site plan, the garage wall is usually 200 mil off that boundary. And the reason for that is that it's allowing for the gutter to hang out. Okay, so that's the standard um, width requirements i suppose so when you see a, a house design that suits a 12.5 meter lot it's factoring in 200 mil off the boundary for the garage and usually uh, 1.2 meters uh, 1200 mil on the other side of the house okay so we want to explain to you a wall on boundary or zero lot line is a little different to that okay so if you're going to build a brick wall literally on the boundary as in the wall will be built on the boundary it's called a zero lot line and in that event the gutter will actually no longer be allowed to overhang or or hang out the side of the brick wall it'll have to be lifted and placed on top of the actual gutter wall within the boundary okay so that um so the brick wall i should say within that boundary so that's a we say that because it's a common one people get a little bit lost with Sometimes the reason for a builder to go to a zero lot line, maybe the lot width, maybe your lot width is 12.3 metres, for example, or it's a, it's a more narrow lot. Um, and uh, there are other spaces, I guess, in the house and so not just the garage. There might be that one of the rear brick walls or one of the side uh, room walls will, will go closer to the boundary if it doesn't have a window, for example, Daz. Um But one of the tips I can give you is that when you build a standard home on a standard lot, Garage is 200 mil off to allow for the gutter. Um, it can also be a zero lot line or it can be one metre plus. You can't just put a garage 500 mil off the boundary. There are certain rules and regulations. Okay, so that's what a zero lot line represents.
1: Cool. And lucky last for me, mate, which is orientation, which is basically the direction the home faces, Um, e.g. the front of your home faces north, which my home right here does, so we face north. Uh, east in this direction, west in this direction, and south right behind us. Uh, so, yeah, um, this can impact the sunlight getting into the home, which in turn can in- impact the energy rating of the home. And, it, you know, you, again, you want to design your home to maximise that sunlight coming into your home so that you get a really nice outlook for your place and that uh, you're able to really enjoy the sunlight, which is what most people like. It's going to warm you up during the day and, and, and you know, make the house really nice to live in. So. Cool.
0: That's a wrap on the uh,
1: on the on all the building terms, mate. So
0: done mm-hmm. well there? Yeah, we're going pretty well, 22 minutes. Um, just one little note on the orientation. To find the orientation of your block, refer to the plan of subdivision. It's probably the best document to show you that, which is something – which will be in your land contract or the sales consultant can show you. Okay, there'll be a little north point somewhere for you. So, no, it's good, Daz. The next episode, guys, will be about contract drawings. We're going to go through a lot of acronyms and terms for you. We're going to shoot through those very quickly. But thanks for listening to this episode. Again, if you want to learn more about us, go to the introductory episode number one. Um, If you want to uh, help us out a little bit, the fee is just to share the podcast with someone that might be able to get some value from it. If you've got any feedback, questions, Anything like that, jump on the website homebuildinghub.com.au. Other than that, Daz, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye and we'll see everyone on the next one. Thanks, guys. Bye. One, two.